Welcome back to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Slate. And I'm Donald Wine. You probably already listened to part one of episode number eight of the podcast, Aruba. This is part two, and we're here to talk about World Cup qualifying uh, with the September window approaching. Uh, so we're going to go through the squads of all the teams. We're going to go through the schedule coming up and get you ready uh, to watch all this hot CONCACAF action. Uh, so first, we'll go to the squads. We'll kind of go in order of FIFA rankings. We're going to start with the ninth-ranked Mexican national team. Uh, a few notes. If you haven't already seen the roster, which was released back on the 27th, uh, no Hector Herrera, no Herving Lozano. Uh, as far as the U.S. dual nationals that you might have heard about in the past, they haven't called. They didn't call in Efrain Alvarez. They did not call in uh, David Ochoa, and also n- no sign of Julian Araujo, whose status is still up in the air. Um, anything else stick out to you guys? I mean, I think the big thing is that Hector, I mean, I, that Raul Jimenez is on this list and there is the, uh, you know, as we touched on in the previous episode with Jamaica or part one, having to deal with the fact that there's not a guarantee that he will be there. Yeah. I mean, this is basically the lineup that we've seen from Mexico all summer, minus those guys that you mentioned. Uh, and again, I think the main question for them up front will be the status of Raul Jimenez and whether or not the Premier League will be successful in blocking his release uh, from Wolves to go to the national team. Yeah. I mean, you would assume that Funes Mori is going to end up being their number one striker uh, here, but they are missing some key guys. Uh, Diego Lina is also not called in. Um, so Mexico with... Uh, some tough games to start qualifying. Uh, next, we'll move on to the 10th ranked U.S. men's national team. Uh, this big thing that we mentioned in part one of the podcast, uh, Ricardo Pepe, the dual national, uh, commits to the U.S. He gets called in. He could see some time as a striker. Uh, U.S. pretty much gets their A team for this. Uh, Christian Pulisic is going to be there. Tyler Adams, healthy, and is going to be there. Weston McKinney, going to be there. Guys, what are your thoughts on this U.S. squad? I, I will say, I mean, there's not anything that I that I have to, any qualms really with this. Um, we do, this is breaking news as in like the last 43 minutes. Um, but uh, Tim Weah is out. Uh, he looks like he's going to be out two to four weeks with Lille. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be a, a shame that he is going to miss out because I think he was going to bring a lot to this team. Um, and I think the only other thing that that's up in the air with this national team is, you know, what's up with uh, Christian Pulisic. I know he's been missing some games due to COVID. Um, so it'll be a question of, I know he has been called into camp, but I think there's still some questions of um, him testing negative and, you know, the implications there. We did have some guys that were missing uh, from normal rosters due to injuries that have been suffered either during the Gold Cup or in the last couple of weeks. Paul Ariola, uh, Jesse Zardes were, were both injured in the last week or so, and so they are excluded from this roster. Also, Daryl DK, who uh, injured his shoulder during the Gold Cup, has not seen action since the Gold Cup ended and as a result is not on this roster as well. So a lot of questions about who was going to be included up front you do see Conrad De La Fuente, who was not on either roster this summer, but has really flourished with uh, Marseille so far in his uh, short time there after moving there from Barcelona. 
he is on this roster. He's one of the two guys, including Pepe, who uh, were not on a summer roster that make this roster here for World Cup qualifying. And yeah. DK actually did make an appearance late. I mean, he came off the bench uh, in Orlando's game on Friday night. So that was his first appearance um, since the Gold Cup or first yeah. time any action whatsoever. His fitness levels certainly aren't there quite yet. Uh, the thing that sticks out for me with this squad, I mean, the U.S. has great depth right now. Um, it's how they're going to rotate. Because if you look at the schedule they've got coming up, uh, their second game against Canada is probably going to be the toughest one. How do they balance the workload across their roster? Um, what lineups do they roll out? What formations do they roll out? That's the thing to watch for me uh, with this squad. Moving on to 44th ranked Costa Rica. Uh, the big thing for me, for their roster that was released on the 26th, uh, Kaylor Navas is back in the squad. I believe this will be his first action with the Costa Rica national team uh, since all of the drama over him allegedly throwing games to get the coach fired. Um, so that's a big, big step for Costa Rica. I mean, these are the most important games they're going to play. So it's not surprising to see him in. Is there anything else that sticks out to you guys? I mean, I think the other, I mean, I, I do come up this a little biased coming from a Nashville angle, but um, <laughs> a little. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Randall Ayal did not play in the Gold Cup this this summer, mainly due to the fact that um, the birth of his uh, child. And so he makes a return to this team. So I think that is going to go a long way um, into having that attacking threat out there. Um, and I think there's a good mixture um, of some younger talent like like your Layals, um, mixed in with people like, you know, Joel Campbell, uh, Kenneth Vargas, and, and, and some of those longtime uh, mainstays of the national team. Yeah, and you also have Kendall Watson, who uh, MLS fans should be familiar with his name. Uh, but I go back to Kaylor Navas because I think Kaylor Navas is the best goalkeeper in CONCACAF. And so having him, uh, we, we've talked about some of the struggles recently of Costa Rica. Him being back between the sticks means that Costa Rica is immediately a much better team uh, and much better defensively because they have one of the best goalkeepers on the planet uh, on their team. Listen, if he's so great, how many CONCACAF Nations Leagues has he won? Oh, none. None. He hasn't won any. But you never know. You never know. That's why they play the game. That's why they play the games. All right. That wraps up uh, the Ticos. Uh, moving on to Jamaica. Just They're ranked 50th in the world right now. Uh, we discussed this a lot in the first part of the podcast. Um, we don't have a roster yet for them. Uh, still a lot up in the air with all of the dual nationals that they've spent the year recruiting to prepare for qualifying, a lot of those dual nationals may not be available to them. Uh, guys, what's Jamaica supposed to do here? I mean, pray. I think that I think looking <laughs> yeah, pray. Um, I think they're looking at their, their opening schedule. I mean, I think they have some games and we're going to get into schedule. I mean, I think they have some games that they probably didn't feel that they were going to win or need to win. <laughs> um in this first round so i think it's um they just gotta hope that you know a the players that they bring in can get at least um a few points out of this and that by the next match day in october that things look a bit a bit better they have two of the more difficult and I know we'll talk about the schedule they have two of the more difficult road trips in Concacaf and going to costa rica and going to mexico 
And I know also you just have it where you want to start out qualifying on the right foot. You want to start out with as many points as possible and to show that, hey, we are the team to beat. Uh, and with their dual nationals up in the air in, in flux and whether or not they'll be able to make it, that puts Jamaica kind of in this purgatory. And they have to, I mean, as we mentioned, they're appealing to the FA in England to try and get these players released so that they can play. And I think everyone wants to see a full strength Jamaica and not have the excuse of, oh, we beat them when they were, you know, missing half of their team. So it'll be, that's where their team lies. They're in this purgatory. It all depends on whether or not they can get some of these guys that they've been uh, recruiting over the last couple of months. Yeah. I mean, the key one is Mikhail Antonio, who's supposed to be like their big addition. And he's been incredible to start the year. And if they don't have him available to them, that's a crushing blow uh, for Jamaica at the start of qualifying. So moving on next, uh, we head north to 59th ranked Canada. Uh, Canada, I mean, they had some injury concerns over the summer. It looks like they're in decent shape right now. Uh, they've got Alfonso Davies. They've got Jonathan David. Um, Lucas Cavallini on the roster. There was questions about his availability due to injury. Um, gentlemen, what do you think about this Canada roster? I'm going to preface this saying is I know that the um, the rankings of this team with them being ranked 59th, I don't think does this team justice. Um, I think they may be arguably the third best team in CONCACAF um, behind the U.S. and Mexico, especially looking at this, looking at this roster and looking at, you know, the players available. Um, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies with this team. So we didn't see that in the gold cup. Um, and I, I am interested to see if maybe there's a few players that maybe come in a little late to camp. I know that seeing that Kyle Laren has been rumored with a move um, out of Besiktas. So there, I mean, there could be not, there could be a situation where he comes in late just due to the fact of, you know, securing his, his next move. But I mean, I think this is definitely a strong and exciting uh, Mexico. I mean, a Canada team. And so I guess uh, we'll just see what happens. This is one of those things. I agree with you that I think that they may be the third best team in CONCACAF, but they haven't had that pressure yet. They haven't been in a final round of qualifying in a very long time. They haven't been to a World Cup in a very long time. And up until now, they've really just been beating up on the minnows of CONCACAF. And now they're going to get a taste of being on the road during the final round. How do they respond to that? Yes, they have some great players. Uh, and who have been kind of te battle tested uh, in Europe, but as a team, are they ready for this? And I think that's the main question to see how they respond uh, to playing, you know, playing some of these teams. Uh, they'll have a couple in Toronto. They, they come to the United States to your neck of the woods. We'll see you guys soon uh, this weekend in Nashville. But I think when it comes to Canada, their first step is trying to see what this taste of the final round of qualifying is like. Yeah, and I mean, for a lot of these guys, yeah, they haven't been on this stage. They haven't been to the final round of qualifying. This could be a coming out party for a lot of these young players. Um, Tejon Buchanan, uh, Canadian player, actually just completed the move to Club Bruges uh, from New England Revolution. He's going to get have a lot more eyes on him. Um, some of these other younger players that – just don't have the name recognition quite yet. I don't know how long that's going to last. Cause I do think this squad is going to be 
like you guys said, it could be the third best team in the Confederation at the time. So big things coming for Canada. Uh, next up, we're going to move on to 63rd ranked Honduras. Honduras. Um, interesting to see uh, Andy Nahar back in the mix. <laughs> Donald's very excited about that one. Gang, gang. <laughs> DC United legend. Um, I mean, most of the names that you would expect for Honduras. Um, you see Boniac Garcia, Brian Acosta. What do you guys think about this squad? I mean, this is a team that I feel like is in a weird space uh, where they're try- where they're trying to rebuild, and, and you know they have some guys like you know Nahar that you talked you talked about, um, and they are missing um, Ramel Kyoto is, is out because he's he's been uh, injured, so I, I just feel like the the Honduras team is is in a in a transitional space right now. Yeah, and they also uh, pointed out they also have a dual national from the United States, Danilo Acosta, who was on represented the United States at the youth national team level. He recently committed to Honduras and is included in this roster. So uh, we will see his first action for the Honduran national team. Uh, and again, I'm really excited about my boy Andy making it back. He's had a lot. He was, a, you know, a young kid when he was on the national team and had a lot of injuries when he was over in Europe. He's back in Major League Soccer, back home at DC United, and playing very, very well. Uh, so it's a well-deserved call-up for him. Yeah, the one other omission to note, uh, Albert Ellis, uh, their striker that plays for Boa Vista over in Europe, uh, he is also not listed on the roster. Uh, he's dealing with injuries right now. And I believe he might also be on the move. It hasn't been official yet, but he's been involved in some transfer rumors, uh, especially in France. So we'll see how that pans out over the next few days. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Elise and uh, Reggie Cannon, who got, who missed out on, on the U.S. side, um, Bovista is a bit of a mess at the moment. And I think both of those guys are trying to secure their moves out of there. Yes. Um, so Honduras, not exactly at full strength. Uh, for this window next up 64th ranked el salvador hugo perez's squad uh they did actually play a friendly um this month uh with a lot of local players trying to get tuned up they had a really good gold cup uh this is a team that could grind out some results uh some of the guys that they're going to be relying on uh the dual nationals that they've picked up eric zavaleta uh from toronto fc uh, Alex Roldan uh, from Seattle Sounders um, and Joshua Perez of Miami FC. Uh, this is El Salvador's best squad. Um, what are you guys expecting out of this team? I think I mean, this will first, first of all, this could be uh, one of those rare occasions that we've seen in world football history uh, when these two teams meet to open up World Cup qualifying on September 2nd where we could see brothers line up against each other on opposite national teams uh, for one, again, very rare that this happens on the international level. Usually brothers like to represent the same country. Uh, We've only had a couple of instances where that has not occurred. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if that pans out, if they do see the field against each other. Yeah. And I think the other one, you know, to, to know, so Joaquin Rivas, who's a place for Tulsa FC, is in is in a pretty good run of form right now. He's got five goals through six appearances. 
uh, in USL so far this season. So, uh, I mean, while they have some players that may not be as well known, they definitely have some guys that can uh, could could hurt the teams that they play. Yeah, and Hugo Perez, since he's taken over that program, if there's anything you can say about El Salvador, it's that they've been extremely well coached and well organized. Uh, so they could be a dangerous, dangerous team to have to face. Hugo's having is working him. He's making yeah. sure that they, I mean, even if they are outclassed as far as talent, they are not going to be outworked on the field. And we've seen that even through the gold cup, uh, they had some, they were not an easy out for any team that they played. So uh, that's something that, you know, the United States and Honduras and Canada are going to have to figure out uh, when they do play them, because they're going to be a team that's not going to quit on you. Yeah. So let's La Selecta. Finally, we get to 74th-ranked Panama. Uh, their squad is out. Uh, some of the names you expected to see are there, um, as Jonathan would like me to mention. Anibal Godoy of Nashville FC. Uh, he's likely to be anchoring their midfield. Um, it, it's really a time of transition for the Panamanian program, uh, so there are some younger guys, uh, some guys with single-digit caps called in uh, for these important, important games. Uh, guys, what do you see on this roster? I see when I look at this team, I'm just going to start off uh, the Fords um, coming from some of the best names, uh, team names. So Ronaldo Blackburn of the strongest. Um, <laughs> yep. Jose uh, Fajardo from uh, Nueve, Nuevo de Octubre. Um, and then Yair Cachi. Uh, from always ready. So, I mean, if uh, we were talking about this, we ever did real team, fake team for Bolivia. I think we have some great team names. Also, yeah, want- if we just did a CONCACAF laser focus, because uh, Bolivia's uh, uh, to borrow from one of their teams, their names are the strongest. Like that is amazing. Uh, but I, I think for you guys, like there's a couple of guys here from, uh, from major league soccer, including one from your team, national SC, Annabel Godoy, uh, making this roster. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, for those of you out there, there was no real official announcement. We just kind of stumbled upon this uh, when we were doing our research. They haven't actually fully like, you know, uh, the, they announced it, but it was kind of under the radar and it doesn't seem like the national teams. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the national or the, the local teams like, you know, uh, like Nashville or Houston, uh, when they have players that are called up, they like to do some sort of announcement. It doesn't seem like that has occurred either. Yeah, really interesting how under the radar is. The other one I do want to point out, uh, Michael Amir Murillo, um, who should be familiar to a lot of MLS fans. Uh, he's now at Anderlecht. Uh, he is did also get the call um, for Panama. All right, so those are the rosters. We will now move on, talk about what we're actually doing for the next week and a half. And that is the... September FIFA international window. Now with world cup qualifying and this compressed schedule, we have to be on before next winter's FIFA world cup in Qatar. Uh, there's a lot of games that need to happen in a very short period of time. So just quickly to remind everybody. So instead of the typical two match windows, there's also three match windows and there's also an extra window built into the FIFA calendar to get all these games done. So there will be three matches in September, three matches in October, 
two matches in November, three in January of 2022, which is a new window. And then three, the final three qualifiers will be in March of 2022. So this window, September, we've got matches on September 2nd, September 5th, and September 8th here in CONCACAF. Um, Jonathan, let's go through match day by match day and let us know what games are happening. So I, I figure we can do this way. So we'll go match day by match day, and then I'm going to let everyone, once we go through match day one, I want to hear uh, your match to watch of that one, of that window or that day. Um, so match day one, so we have Canada versus Honduras, um, Panama versus Costa Rica, Mexico v. Jamaica, and El Salvador uh, versus the United States. I do want to mention, unlike we saw in some of the World Cup qualifiers earlier on in this summer, um, all games are taking place in their home nation. So Canada Panama, Mexico, El Salvador, all of those games are happening within their respective countries. Yeah, I think when it comes to these, you know, again, I mentioned that Canada match. That's the first one for them in a long time in World Cup qualifying and seeing how they respond to that. Obviously, Toronto is going to be rocking for that game, but also Mexico uh, playing that match without fans because of the homophobic chant that they like to do so much. Uh, that was actually supposed to be a two-match uh, closed-door ban, but it's now only one game. So this first game against Mexico or against Jamaica is going to be the one that will be in Azteca behind closed doors. So it'll be interesting to see if Jamaica can take advantage of the lack of crowd in that building to try and take three points from Mexico. Yeah, yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, the lack of crowd, that's a huge X factor in that game. For me personally, um, I think the Canada-Honduras game m might be the most interesting just because if Canada wants to threaten for a top spot, a game like Honduras, that they need three points against Honduras to be able to be competitive in this. They're going to be battling Honduras for those that third, fourth, fifth spot. Uh, so getting the three points at home when you can, that's huge for them. Yeah, I think Canada has to come out come out strong. And I mean, I think probably an interesting one, even though I feel the squads are a little more aging, um, Panama v. Costa Rica should be, uh, should be pretty interesting as well. Moving on to match day two. So match day two, so on the Sunday, September 5th, we have Jamaica v. Panama, El Salvador v. Honduras, Costa Rica against Mexico, um, and then the United States versus Canada um, that is actually taking place uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, for me, it is United States versus Canada, and that's not just because it's like happening three miles from my house. Um, that is a huge... This is the first big test for the United States. Uh, clearly, this cycle is about getting back to where they deserve to be for the United States. They didn't qualify for the last World Cup. They need to qualify for this one. And to qualify, you've got to win your home games. And you've got maybe the second or third best opponent you're going to be facing coming to your country, and you got to get a result there. It's a must, must win game for the United States. And it's going to be one hell of a party. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think the other match to look forward to is Costa Rica versus Mexico. 
uh, Mexico traveling on the road to, again, one of the other places that is very difficult traditionally to play in San Jose. So Costa Rica is going to want to get three points. Again, they're going to have Kaylor Navas. We just talked about some of their players that they do have, but they also have something to prove. You know, the three of us have said that Canada might be replacing them as the third best team in CONCACAF. This is a game where Costa Rica would like to show everyone that they are still one of the top dogs in this confederation. And yeah, I, I do mean, I do want to point out that one of the X factors for some of these, and I know we mentioned how Mexico is not going to have fans because of the suspension uh, for their first game. Some of these places are going to have limited crowds. I know El Salvador and Honduras, and I believe Panama are all 50% capacity. I know Canada is supposed to be limited capacity. Uh, in United States, the game in Nashville, there's no limit because it's the U.S. and apparently COVID doesn't exist here. Um, no but, limit like Master P. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, some places I know El Salvador is requiring proof of vaccination to get into the stadium. Honduras is requiring masks. These things that countries are doing to be able to maximize their home field advantage the ones that can really maximize that the most are going to benefit because especially without having big crowds for the last year and a half, a lot of these players haven't played in front of a lot of people for a long time. And when you get to road qualifiers in CONCACAF, it makes a difference. Absolutely. The, these crowds are going to be interesting. Uh, I know we're traveling to a couple of them and we'll see how that dynamic works i think honduras it might not even it might be actually less than 50 percent in Honduras. 50 no, percent oh it's 50 okay um yeah. but even that like you know some places 50 percent can sound like 300 percent in some places it is a huge disadvantage to not have your full crowd there we'll see how it works for these teams yeah absolutely it's really interesting and it's nice to see some of these countries that i mean let's be honest you you don't know a lot about their healthcare infrastructure, they're taking this seriously, but knowing that this is important, they want their fans there. So whether it's requiring vaccinations, whether it's requiring masks, I know Honduras announced that they're doing 50% capacity, masks are required, no, no one under 18 is allowed in um, because they couldn't be vaccinated. And they're also setting up vaccination sites at the stadium to encourage vaccination and that's great to see great of those federations to be public about wanting people to take this seriously yeah so moving on to match day three so wrapping it wrapping up this first round of CONCACAF qualifying so we have Canada versus El Salvador Costa Rica against Jamaica Panama against Mexico and then finally the Honduras versus the United States I think for Honduras and the United States, I think that's always a traditionally a difficult place to play for the United States. Also, I think the one advantage that they have is that this game will be at night and not in the heat of the afternoon like Honduras normally likes to schedule us. So that could be an interesting X factor, the fact that there won't be as much heat. Uh, it'll be after sundown when it's normally you know 95 and humid in the, in the depths of the afternoon when they like to play. It's going to be in the you know probably 70s. The rain is pro will have probably cooled things off, and that may present a slight advantage to the United States. For me, I'm going to have to look at this Costa Rica Jamaica match. Uh, 
as far as Costa Rica goes, I mean, they start out on the road in Panama. You would assume that they want to get a result there. Then they're hosting Mexico, and then they host Jamaica. Jamaica's the one that they know they got to get three points at. And depending on what kind of squad Jamaica can even bring, if Costa Rica does not get three points out of that game, that does not bode well for their qualification chances. No, it's going to be interesting. I feel like if looking at just through the, the match day as a whole, I would say that probably um, Jamaica and Costa Rica probably have the toughest schedule. I mean, with Jamaica having to play Mexico, Coast, having to play Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica, going both to Costa Rica and Mexico at the same in the same window with a reduced squad is going to be tough. Mexico, you know, having to go to Costa Rica um, and to Panama, which is, I mean, never a, an easy place to play. So I definitely think those are probably the ones that have the, you know, the hardest opening schedule. I will note that uh, for those of you who are fans of the U.S. national team, you will take a look at Jamaica's schedule for the September window and note that it is the exact same schedule that the United States will have in March of 2022 at Mexico, home against Panama, at Costa Rica. Although that will finish out qualifying, this begins qualifying. So everyone should know how difficult a slate that is for the Jamaicans. Yeah, and I guess for Jamaica, with the difficulties they have getting their players to come in, they might not have gone into these fixtures. Like They could have looked at the full schedule and pointed at some of these games as like, you know what, we're probably not getting three points out of these. So maybe it's beneficial that these this is when these matches are coming because if it's ones that they might have already written off, they can feel a little bit better about knowing that they're not having their best squad. All right, so that's our schedule for World Cup qualifying. Uh, if you're in the U.S., all that coverage, most well, most of that coverage is on the CBS Sports, Paramount Plus, family of networks. Um, I know the U.S., the first U.S. away game will be on CBS Sports Network with a like a rapper, like a kind of a kick around show beforehand, um, showing the other qualifiers. Um, but if you don't already have Paramount Plus, you're probably going to want to get it. Uh, they will be showing every game that's not on regular TV already. Uh, so if you want to watch World Cup qualifying, Paramount Plus is your place. Paramount Plus, feel free to kick us some affiliate dollars. Uh, for promoting your product. Exactly. <laughs> Pay us money. All right. Next, it's been a while since we did this. We want to get back to you, the listeners, and kind of keep the conversation going. So now it's time for postcards to the pod. Uh, so we got some listener questions. Uh, we're going to answer them, talk about them, appreciate all the feedback. We put out, put it out on Twitter like, hey, ask us some questions. We did get some good responses, so we're here to talk about them. So first off, Grant, who is at Goatfoot21, has to ask, what is your favorite World Cup qualifying matchup, and why is it Mexico versus Canada? Donald, why don't you start? Uh, my answer is it's not Mexico versus Canada. Um, it will always and forever be United States versus Mexico at Azteca that is not changing this go around, especially since it could potentially be the final time that these two teams meet at the Azteca for qualifying in a very, very long time. So uh, that is always going to be my answer. That is the most intriguing matchup. That is the one that CONCACAF loves. Uh, 
yes, there's the one in, in, in the United States as well, but for fans of the United States men's national team, traveling to Azteca is always on the bucket list. And this is the time to get there for that potential for for that matchup in in March. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. That those are definitely the ones I am going to say, if I had to pick something that was not, um, you know, the U S first Mexico at Azteca, it's probably, and it's going to be two fixtures. It's Jamaica versus Canada. If Jamaica has like their full roster, I think the matchup between those two teams could be one of the best ga- the best two games that we get to uh, get get to get to see that get to see the whole time. I think those that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Okay, and quickly, me personally, it is not Mexico versus Canada. Um, for me specifically, it is the United States versus Canada. And the one and lone reason I choose that over everything else is because I can walk to the stadium to see it. Um, <laughs> this is true. So good enough. All right, moving on. Joseph Joe Davis at Joe Davis four comes to us with this question. Which CONCACAF teams will be most affected by the COVID restrictions? I mean, I think we've touched on it. Um, I think it's Jamaica so far. I mean, the, if you're looking at guys like Leon Bailey, Mikel Antonio, uh, and the list goes on, but I definitely think Jamaica right now is the team that is most impacted uh, by COVID restrictions because, I mean, we've seen Mexico be able to do well without Raul Jimenez. Um, we, the United States isn't uh, impacted. At, uh, Jamaica is the one that's right now that's being impacted the most. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it's Jamaica. It, their situation with so many of their guys playing in England, uh, th- it's a game changer for them if they're if those players can't come. I think I got to agree. Um, the only thing I would note is that depending on Christian Pulisic's availability, that could be a huge loss for the U.S. if his quarantine does not allow him to play um, because that is still up in the air. So thank you to our boneless brother, Joe Davis, for that question. Um, Next up, James, who is at McJames10, comes to us with this question. Who do you think has the best chance to top the octagon? The reigning Nations League and Gold Cup champions. I mean, it's a a long process. And I know that we try to do this. um, We do recognize our our United States biases. Uh, But I, I think that with what the U.S. has done, um, throughout these two tournaments this summer. Um, I think they have a great chance. Mexico is always a, a strong contender. And I think we've touched on um, maybe not top the group, but I think Canada is definitely a, uh, a, a surprise dark horse uh, contender. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes to CONCACAF, there is two easy answers, and that's the United States and Mexico. They have been in the finals of, again, the Nations League and the Gold Cup just this summer. The United States beating them both. Did I mention that the United States beat Mexico twice this summer? I don't know if I have, um, but if I didn't, the US, United States beat Mexico twice. But I, I think those are the two teams that you have to say are the shoe-in favorites to top the group or top the, the octagon. I think all the other teams are dark horses to get into the World Cup, but not necessarily to top the octagon at this point. Yeah, I mean, we try not to be biased at all, even though the bias does come through. So the unbiased opinion it's clearly the U.S. just because they've, I mean, look at the track record. Nations League champs, Gold Cup champs. That's my unbiased opinion. My biased opinion as a U.S. national team fan is I look at this schedule and I see 42 points. 
<laughs> so I think it's kind of, it's not necessarily a given, but it's going to happen. So I'm going with the United States on that one. So thank you, James, for that question. And finally, this question, I think personally I can knock this out myself. Uh, Stefan, with this question, he is at Weber2009. He asks, what is Canada's beer slash liquor of choice? The answer is Molson Canadian. The answer is Moosehead for beer. No, no, uh, no, no. no. I, love I, I say what I say. I don't, I don't accept any of these answers. I am a Molson Canadian supporter. This is a Molson Canadian supporting podcast. Also, also for liquor, come on now. We got Crown Royal in the building. Yeah. The, the purple bag, the black bag, the <laughs> green bag. I, I use it for my toiletries. Like the, the bag <laughs> is, is synonymous with opulence and success. And if you don't have a Crown Royal bag in your house, then you need to go get some Crown Royal and you need to drink it so that you can have the bag. Also, Crown Royal, send us Crown Royal. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to, they're probably not going to send us anything after what I'm about to say, but uh, that purple bag is the only good thing that comes from Crown Royal because uh, Canadian whiskey is an abomination. Okay, wow. so so Crown Royal, send the bottles to me. I appreciate <laughs> you as, as, a, as a one, someone who is Canadian by association, as is our friend Eric here. Canadian by association, be it that we are border people. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to admit to it, <laughs> but I will admit to it if they send me free liquor. So, so go ahead and send that to me. Yeah. I mean, you can always uh, take a step up in class um, and use the Brown Blanton's bottle bag um, if you really want a sign of class and opulence. Yeah, I put I put coins in that. You, you, it's, it, certain bags for certain things. You got to have like we can you have, have one, one bag. We yeah. can have more than one bag in the house. Listen, I grew up where I come from. Most Canadians like a domestic beer. And you just, you fall in love with it. Um, I mean, I'm going to state for the record, I will not hesitate to talk shit on Canada at any given moment on this podcast. But I will give them, I'm a big fan of Molson Canadian. So that's going to be our group answer. As far Eric as the half Canadian Schmitz. No, <laughs> no. I've capped tied already. All right. So thank you, uh, Grant, Joe, James, and Stefan for the, I think, is Stefan or Stefan? I, either way, thank you for your questions. Um, Postcards of the Pod will be back in a later version of the podcast. That about wraps us up. We talked qualifying, we talked your questions. It's been a long two-part podcast. want to thank you all for listening. Um, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the World of CONCACAF podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, follow us on social media at PodCACAF, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Always good stuff. We're always sharing the latest news. Uh, Jonathan, where can people find you? You can find me on, on Twitter at SSP. Um, also at Speedway Soccer and Broadway Sports Media. Donald. And I am at Blazing DW on Twitter and Instagram and also run the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. You can find all that work at starsatstripesfc.com. Also, wanna... if you're in Nashville for the U.S.-Canada uh, game, find Donald, find Eric. I Unfortunately, even though it is in my city, it will not be there. Uh, but yeah, no, find Donald, find Eric. 
yes, please come up. Please say hi. Please tell us how much you love the podcast. And that's the feedback is what motivates us to keep doing this for sure. Um, we'll be partying for the game in Lot R at Nissan Stadium uh, on Sunday, September 5th. Uh, hope you all can make it out. Um, I do also want to shout out Leah Voigt for the World of CONCACAF artwork. Did a great job with that. We appreciate our strong, strong brand. Jonathan, where can we hear about the great music that we hear? Uh, yeah, the, uh, shout out to my brother, Jeffrey Slape. Um, you can just find him on Spotify at Jeffrey Slape. I know he actually has um, an EP coming out sometime in September. I'm really bad that I don't have that up in front of me, but uh, shout out to him. Yeah, you got to go cop that. You get every time you have an album, go cop that. <laughs> go get that. Well, thanks again for listening. Enjoy the CONCACAF. And we'll be back with a new episode to wrap it all up after it's over. Thanks, y'all.